All right, well, it's wonderful um, to be here, a real uh, privilege. And uh, my name is Cameron. I'm married to Lorene, and our two kiddos are running around here. And I just want to say, if you have kiddos here this morning, we've been meeting in Missoula at Revive Church uh, since the 10th of May, so Mother's Day. I think, I guess, opened there a bit quicker. Um, and we still have the kids kind of in our meeting. We don't have kids work yet, so uh, don't feel bad. They can run around. It's, it's wonderful. We're a family. Alrighty, so we're jumping to Galatians. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and just uh, read it straight out the gate. So we're going to be looking at um, 4, 8 to 20. And all my papers are wanting to blow away here. Good thing I've got this other book here. Okay. So here we go. Uh, this is Galatians 4, 8 to 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to, to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Wow, what an emotional portion of scripture. And in fact, this whole, this whole book is just such an emotional, almost in a sense, angry um, letter. And you guys have been in this book, I think now for the last eight weeks or so. Um, so you probably know more about it than I do, um, but I'm gonna try my best this morning but even in the, in the introduction, um, Paul interrupts himself. He interrupts himself and, and says, hey, I'm not an apostle because of man, I'm an apostle because of what God has done in my life. I met Jesus and he appointed me as an apostle. Um, and the other thing to note is he doesn't even give a thanksgiving. All right, if you look at the other letters, the other epistles, there's thanksgiving. And that really projects to us the tone with which Paul was writing um, this letter. Uh, so Paul understood that he had a real complex um, task in front of him. Um, he understood the social and cultural and religious pressures that these communities in Galatia, um, some dispute whether it's North Galatia or South. Um, I believe it was the South Galatian uh, churches in Lystra, Derby, Antioch, um, Iconium. Um, but these, these bodies, these groups of people who, 
who um, had heard the gospel from Paul firsthand, right, they were under immense uh, pressure. Um, if you can imagine for a moment, they were living in a world basically devoid of a private life. Okay? Communities were tight knit. People knew each other's businesses. All right? When you turned away from idol worship and from the rituals that everyone was accustomed to, that was a big deal. People were going to notice that you weren't showing up to the things that were happening previously, to the things that caused society to kind of run in that day. Um, I think today we've categorized things. We've got like um, sociology and theology, and we kind of have these neat kind of boxes, and you're here and I'm there. But in these days, really the idea of the divine and the fact that there was a creator and there were gods to serve was just, it was secondhand knowledge. Everyone knew that. And everyone knew that putting yourself before a god and asking for that god's kind of um, favor in your life um, was so important to just how society ran. Um, and here we see these Christians having to go against that. And you can understand the pressures um, they would have faced. Um, you can imagine um, even from the Jews, because at this stage of life, the Jews under the Roman authority, they had a special permission to worship the one God, the one true God. Um, they were um, blessed in that regard because other people groups did not have that. All right? Others had to bow to the power of Rome and the gods of Rome. But the Jews had a special um, permission to continue worshipping the God of Israel, the one God. So you can almost imagine, and I'm not getting this from scripture, but in, in, in just looking at the history, you can almost imagine the Roman officials saying, all right, who are these guys? Um, coming to the Jewish leaders of the day. Are these guys with you? Are they Jewish or are they not? Um, find out, all right? We want to know, like, what's going on here? And you can imagine the pressure that they were under. And even Paul saying, um, I've become as you are. And I think sometimes we forget how much Paul gave up to follow Jesus. To actually step out in the radical obedience in grace, following, following grace and what Jesus had done, um, and stepping out of essentially was his way of life. The way that he was deemed human, if you will, amongst his family, amongst his friends, amongst all those people who he would have respected and loved. To step out of that and to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, you begin to realize how much this man caught the message of God and what he was doing. Um, he was an amazing uh, man. Uh, I grew up in South Africa, and when I was six, we moved up north uh, to plant a church among a very poor people group called the Zutu people group. And um, in that culture, um, you worship ancestors. And it's a, it's a religion driven by fear. If you don't get it right, then if someone gets sick, if someone dies in your family, well, that's because you didn't pay homage in the correct way, or you didn't do this, or you didn't do that. And you would see as people began coming to Christ, the pressure from the surrounding community, where there wasn't actually much of a private life either, um, was immense. Um, people would uh, really be pointed out, like, this, this is happening to your family because you are following Jesus. You are following that man. You need to come back to the ancestors and come under them um, so everything can come right again. And uh, there's a funny story. Um, in Tate, 
You say in Tate for like it's a term of respect, so in Tate means father, so in Tate Sam and Me is mother, Me Topsi, they're two leaders in Diklabeng Church, but Sam, he got, uh, he got saved um, through uh, my dad, my dad ministered into his life and he got saved out of a, just a real, um, uh, just kind of bondage to the ancestors and, and when he went home, Topsy was like, okay, here's the deal, I'm not feeding you anymore. All right, I'm not going to feed you because you're no longer following the ancestors. We're going to get sick because you're not following the ancestors anymore. I'm not going to feed you. So um, for Ntate, you can imagine that was quite the, uh, uh, quite the blow. His wife wasn't going to feed him anymore. And, um, but there's an example of the pressure. The amazing thing with that story is eventually Mayor Topsy came to the church and said, I want to know what you did with Sam. He's a different man. He's so kind. He's so loving, no matter what I do, he's still just such a nut, he's, he's just a different man. And Mary Topsy came to the Lord because she realized that it was Jesus, um, Jesus had renewed Sam. He was now a new creation and he had done something in his life. Um, but you really get, that, that is a picture of some of what these people would have faced. And in this situation, as I'm sure you're aware, as you've been going through Galatians, there was a group from Judea, who were basically speaking, hey, Paul, he had a picture of the gospel, which he shared with you, but it wasn't the whole gospel. It wasn't the whole gospel. You still need to get circumcised. If you want to be a part, if you want to be in, you still have to get these things done, all right? Parts of the law, they still apply. Um, and the uh, topic for this sermon is don't be enslaved again. Um, and I want to turn now just as I start with that point to John 1. This is one of my favorite portions of scripture on grace. And uh, I'm gonna try to be quickly, uh, quick this morning. I think by the amount of sunburn you get, um, you'll be able to judge how long I was. So if it's third degree on one side of your face, I am sorry. Um, I sunburn badly, so I'm gonna be like, all right, let's go. <laughs> um, John 1, 14 to 18. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. Verse 16, For from His fullness we have all received grace on grace. And I just want to say that over your life today, whatever you're facing, maybe in your perception you've messed up this week or you've messed up this year or you've, you've messed up this life okay grace upon grace not just grace okay grace would be good enough but grace upon grace through jesus christ over your life and that is a powerful thing for the law was given through moses okay grace and truth came through jesus christ no one has ever seen god the only god who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. What a powerful scripture. And we see Paul arguing throughout this letter, hey, Jesus has accomplished it. All right? It's not Jesus plus the Torah, it's not Jesus plus anything. Through him, you have it. You're there. All right? um, in the last kind of few uh, paragraphs, uh, he says, of Galatians, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. 
right? A new creation. That's what counts. A new creation. Um, and I think for Paul, it's important to note him meeting Jesus wasn't him now suddenly turning to a new religion. All right. Paul wasn't now suddenly turning to a new religion as opposed to Judaism. He was stepping into the fulfillment of what God had always had. The reason why he had chosen the Jewish nation, the reason why he had chosen Abraham, it's all part of a bigger story. And I think I really just want to get that across to you guys this morning, that we are part of a bigger story. Of the one God who's called us. And Paul recognized this. He saw this as a continuation of what God was doing through the law, what he had done through Abraham, what he had done through Moses. It wasn't something just as clean cut, like there's nothing to do with that. That's why we love and we cherish the Old Testament, because it speaks and it points to Jesus. Um, but this wasn't the belief of the, I'm going to call them the circumcision party. Okay, Lorreen and I, I won't tell you the, the name of the show, because then it'll give away um, the plot, and then you won't want to watch it. But it's kind of like a... Um, uh, period drama, like, oh, I'm hitting this mic, like a, um, an English, kind of in like the 1800s. And what ends up happening, this was, a, this was a time when class was so important, where you had servants, and then you had those who had wealth, and they had pedigree, and they had this. And this gentleman is from pedigree, and he ends up marrying, marrying his, uh, his servant, his kind of kitchen maid, as it was. And it's so interesting just watching the dynamic, because everyone, it's like, oh, how could you? How could you do this? You've, you've shamed the name. Right, maybe some of you guys have watched the show. If you watched it, I'm sure it's a common theme in many shows. But we're really enjoying it. If you want to know the series, I'll tell you afterwards. But um, it's just a wonderful picture of what these guys were seeing. Hey, these guys, they're profaning our faith. They're throwing, our, they're throwing the one God in the dirt. They're, everything we followed, everything we've given our life for, all right, they're just throwing to the side. But Paul didn't see that that way. Paul saw just the beautiful uh, consummation of what God had always intended to do, what he had spoken about from the beginning. And um, I think, of course, now this group was in serious danger of missing it. If you see in verse 8, where we began, Formerly when you did not uh, know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. All right? And here we get, we get this, this kind of idea of power, all right? We get this idea of, they were enslaved, right? They were enslaved to following ritual. They were enslaved to following their gods, which actually behind them had a, had a sense of a demonic power over their life. And now Paul is saying, hey, if you turn back, all right, you're missing out. You're missing out on all that God has done. All right, you're, you're taking steps back and you're stepping out of the grace which you have received. And he's saying, don't be enslaved again. Look to God. And um, it's God's intention for us, for you, okay, in his creation, for us to be image bearers. All right, to carry his light, to carry his excellency. Um, but we know from Romans 1.25 that instead of worshipping the creator, we worship the creation. Okay, I've got some grass here. All right. Instead of worshiping the creator, we worship the creation. Um, N.T. Wright says this, in the same way, 
Death is an intrinsic result of sin, not simply an arbitrary punishment. When humans fail in their image-bearing vocation, the problem is not just that they face punishment. The problem is that the powers seize control and the creator's plan for his creation cannot go ahead as intended. So as we receive the grace of God, but then we hand it over, we, we hand over that grace, we hand over the power of the spirit to just following the ritual, to trying to make ourselves right with God through other means. And in this case, to turning back to idols and things that are not God. We actually hand over our power. We hand over our, what, what God has given us. Right? And we, in turn, become enslaved. In uh, Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And um, it's Father's Day today, so I thought I'd throw in a few Father's Day punches. Um, fathers, this is so important for you to understand. This is so important for you to understand. You are, you are a spiritual, how can I put it? You are a spiritual gateway to your family, all right? If you are stepping into the fullness of Christ and you are leading your family in that, all right, your family are going to follow. But if you are surrendering over and being enslaved by things that Christ calls you out of, know that that's going to impact your family. It's not only you. And I think that's such a helpful um, perspective. It's been helpful for me in my life, especially with staying pure and staying with my eyes set on Christ, especially in these days that we as men realize our call, that we are meant to be a shining light, and we are meant to be, it's like Jesus says when, when um, a rock, I, I haven't looked at the scripture recently, but when someone wants to break into the house, what do they do first? They tie it to the strong man. Right? You are the strong man. All right. you, need to, you need to realize that call on your life. And it's important. It's really important. You have a spiritual authority. Okay, and that's not just to think back and think little of yourself, oh, I don't have it, and so often we do. I can't say that over my wife because I, I can't speak truth over her because I didn't read my Bible this week. Well, I can't speak truth because I'm not as good as that person. I can't speak truth because I don't love God how I ought to. No, you are in Christ and you are called to. You are called to stand up and be a light in this present day and to realize that you are the strong man. You are the gateway to your home. You are the spiritual kind of, you set the temperature as it were. So I just want to encourage you men um, and challenge you with that. Almost there. <laughs> and I think as we look just at Paul's life and how he viewed his Christianity, that this wasn't just a new religion. Um, we realize that Christ coming to earth, it wasn't just about dealing with your private issues. Um, it wasn't about just getting you through your day. It wasn't even just about getting you to heaven. No. It was about you joining a bigger family. It was about you joining a bigger vision. It was about you joining the story of God for the world. And for you to be that image bearer. To take that up again. We formerly were not carrying that. We were no longer that. But through Christ, we are actually able to truly carry the image of God to the world. All right, In our weakness, in our absolute inability... He works through us, and He does that. Um, so just having that bigger perspective of what God is doing, this isn't 
it's, it's, it's not just a private faith. It's not just a kind of, all right, well, this is going to get me through my day. Um, in a sense, it's almost through Christ. You can look back at um, the exodus out of Egypt. It's, it's almost like a new exodus. So you can imagine the, the Red Sea parting and allowing the Israelites through. All right. Through Jesus, the waters of sin and death were parted. Not because we touched the water and were like, oh, or, you know, figured out some sort of brilliant engineering feat to do it by our own strength, which we try to do all the time. But just simply because he is God and because he loved us and because he is serious about his own glory. All right. And he made a way for us. And what we see now for this group of people is it's almost like they've gone through, they've passed through, they're now in the wilderness. And just like the Israelites back then, they're kind of thinking, oh, maybe it'll be better in Egypt. Maybe what we had there is better than what we have now. Maybe the promises of God, which I sense a little bit, like I see the fire and I see the cloud and I taste the manna, but maybe back in Egypt, it'll just be a little bit better. And maybe the promise isn't all it chalked up to be. And that's what this group of people were facing here and now. But Paul is saying, no, no, you have it all. You have it all in him. In fact, Ephesians 1, 3, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's a big deal. Every spiritual blessing? Yes, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Um, when I turned, I turned 30 in, in April and the eve of my birthday, I went up the mountain and just prayed a little bit. And I just wrote down some, you could say goals, or just some points like, hey, what do I want to grow in over the next 10 years? Okay, not two weeks, 10 years, all right? And just writing those down. Um, but just realizing that we can so often easily put pressure on ourselves to become something or do something. And yes, goals are important and they can be really good for our lives. But so often they're misplaced because we, we end up putting all the onus on our ability to carry them out. And um, I think we, we kind of end our day and we say, did I get it all right today? Did I, did I check the list? Did I get it? Did, was I a good Christian today? Did I follow Christ? Well, you can look at your day and like give yourself a red or a green mark or whatever. Um, but there's, a, there's another way we can look at it. Did I, did I see Christ? Did I look to him? Did I cry out to him when I fell into sin? Did I call on his name and depend on his grace? Matt and I were actually talking about this two days ago, but I was talking to a friend and he lived for three months in Brazil. And one thing he noted was there, you've had a good day if you've spent the whole day chatting with friends. Okay, if you've socialized, if you've met people, if you've like, if you've just had a good time, like you stopped at a friend's house and you chatted and did I have something to do today besides just chat, can't remember, but it's a good day, all right, if you've spent it with people, all right, and I think in our culture here, we all know that it's probably the opposite, all right, we, we look, I had a good day because I accomplished X, Y, Z, and if I didn't, it's like, oh, I just wasted time, I should be better, I'm better than this, I need to become something, I need to do this, this deal called life, and I need to come out better and stronger, and and I think with that, that mindset, we lose something. Um, God calls us to relationship, and I just want to remind us about that today again. If you, 
if you're failing, if maybe you're just feeling you're not, you're not getting there. Maybe you just lost your cool during the COVID time. You're just like, I can't deal. Everyone in my house irritates me. <laughs> I'm stuck with you. No. All right, but that's worst case scenario. But maybe you just come back to God. Trust him. All right, he's not done with you. He's still working in you and through you. John Wimber said this. It seems the more I think about not sinning, the more I sin. But the more I think about just loving Jesus, the less I seem to sin. Falling in love seems to be the key. And we're called to fall in love. We're called to, to follow him. And even that, I feel, is something that God has to do in our hearts. Because maybe this morning your heart just feels a bit hard. And you just need to come to God and say, soften my heart again, Lord. Help me, Father. Um, this piece of scripture was kind of tough to, to uh, just figure out because it offers problems, but not really any solutions. Um, so I just want to give two points. And uh, the first one is be people of the spirit. And the second one is genuine love. And be people of the spirit, I actually go back. Um, I thought I wouldn't go forward because then I'll give stuff away for the next uh, couple weeks. But Galatians 3.2 let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And I think that says it all. Um, in our society, uh, we work with steps. If I do this, then this will happen. If I do that, if I make these steps, if I make these changes, it's going to work like that. And we're very systematic and there's a lot of good to that. But God calls us to be people of the Spirit, to realize that we cannot do it. You cannot do it, all right? You cannot do it by your own strength. It's by the Spirit. Um, the enlightenment, which we are so um, greatly influenced by, all right? It was a focus on the mind, focus on the intellect, a focus on science, a focus on nature, but just a real um, shutting out of anything else, anything spiritual. And now we're in postmodernism where we actually create our own truth. All right, what we think is right is right. All right, what I think is the truth about life and death is right or the way I want to live my life. But here Paul pulls us to something so much better. Hey, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with His power. Um, I mentioned earlier the church I grew up in, uh, it was called Dekhlebeng and it worked very much among the poor, but this was a way of life. This was a way of life, being in the Spirit. People would get saved and would say, hey, let's see you baptized in the Spirit and God's power would come upon them. And they would be different people. Instantly, God would do a work. And I feel that us as the, us as the church today, we are called to be a people of um, the Spirit. Uh, I think when we, when we think we've got it down, when we think we've got, we've kind of got our systems right and we're getting this done, we get that done, we're at serious risk of quenching the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.19, one of my favorite verses. Do not quench the Spirit. There we go. Do not quench the Spirit. I want to read this. Uh, um, A.W. Tozer. I'm just going to read two quotes. I'm almost done. In my sober judgment, the relation of the spirit to the believer is the most vital question the church faces today. I think he would have written this in the 60s. I'm not exactly sure on that. Um, 
And then he also says this, In their attitude toward the gifts of the Spirit, Christians over the last few years have tended to divide themselves into three groups. Those who can magnify the gifts of the Spirit until they can see little else. Those who deny that the gifts of the Spirit are intended for the church in this period of her history. Those who appear to be thoroughly bored with the whole thing and do not care to discuss it. More recently, I have become aware of another group, praise God. Those who want to know the truth about the Spirit's gifts and to experience whatever God has for them within the context of sound New Testament faith. Amen to that. We are called to be a people of the Spirit. Um, Lorena and I have just been so... Uh, We've had so much anticipation for the season ahead. There's been so much us just speak of the Lord doing a great thing, another great awakening, another um, just flood of His Spirit. In fact, the last few Sundays on Pentecost, we spoke about um, Pentecost was the 31st of May this year, the day of Pentecost. And um, we spoke about the day of Pentecost when the Spirit came upon. And it was really powerful. Um, numerous people just came up to the front and they kneeled at at the altar, whatever you want, stage, just crying out to God. And I was just like, man, this is what we need. This is what we need. We need thirst. We need hunger for God. We need more of His Spirit. And I guess that's what I encourage, challenge you with. Um, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry um, for His Spirit? And the Spirit moves in so many different ways. Right? It's not a set equation. It's not a, this is wrong, this is right. Although we, we must interpret things through Scripture. But the Spirit works through. I'll tell you a bit of a crazy story, just because it's crazy. And, um, but we were in uh, the UK now, probably three years ago. And we had joined a small church in West Wickham. And there was this white guy who I really liked, David. He must have been in his late 60s. His name was David. He was a accountant. He never said anything. Just an, but very kind man. And uh, we, we would go out for coffee and chat. And um, anyway, we, what happened during that time, we joined this church and they went through a prayer and fasting thing, really seeking the Holy Spirit. And uh, we were just joining. It was actually before we came out to the States the first time. So we were standing in a circle there and just praying and asking God to come move amongst us. And then everyone encourages, hey, lay hands on one another and pray. And so. I will, David's taller than I am, and he's bigger than I am. So he's like this, and I'm like laying hands on him and praying. And the next thing, he starts going like this, turning towards me, and falling towards me like this. So I've got this big guy, and I'm falling over, and he's coming, I'm like, Ugh! I'm trying not to like make a scene, but I'm like, I'm going to die, I'm gonna just get landed. <laughs> anyway, so I go this way, and I try my best, but he actually pulls me over and like, thump, boom his head on the back of, on the floor. And I'm like, oh no. Then he starts going like this on the floor. And I'm thinking, oh no. He's hit his head and now he's getting some kind of like neurological like thing like this. Anyway, we're praying and I just leave him. I think, well, God, you're in the room. Like if he's hurt, you'll heal him and it will be fine. <laughs> it was so funny. Anyway, I carry on praying with people. I forget about it. We're, we are in the spirit for like an hour and a half. I look back and he's still lying there. He's dead. I thought, I thought he was, I'm like, he, this guy is actually really hurt. So I'm like, 
I call over his wife, and I'm like, Debbie, please, let's, let's just check. Can you just check he's okay? And she actually looks kind of concerned, which makes me even feel more concerned. But we, like, pick him up, and he's just, he's, he's just completely, like, uh, we've got a, a word in South Africa for lap. He's just, he's just, like, floppy. He doesn't have any strength. He's just not there. We're lifting up. We finally, we actually put him over the, uh, the arm of the couch this way. So he was like this. Eventually we managed to turn him up and we pull him up and he's sitting but like really slouched. So Debbie's like, maybe if we just get him some food, he'll feel a little better. So they bring him food and, I, and I'm like, yeah, if he eats, I'll feel better as well. Cause he's still, he's now kind of opening his eyes. Anyway, he tries to put his fork in the food and he's kind of holding it like this and he's trying to bring it to his mouth and the food just falls off into his plate. And I'm like, oh. he's really in trouble. This guy's hurt himself. And he didn't eat because he just couldn't. He couldn't get the food to his mouth. Anyway, so eventually everyone was leaving and he couldn't actually get up. And after a while, like, we had to go and I was just like, what have I done? Like, I, I dropped him so... And obviously I'm imagining falling from this height. I can't remember exactly what height he fell from, but I'm thinking, I really hurt this old man. I feel terrible. You know, I hear they eventually got into his car and got home and the next week I came up to Debbie and I, I saw him at church and I was like, thank you Lord. And I spoke to him and I was like, is he okay? Like what happened? And he said, yes, he was totally fine. Um, you know, and I was like, what, what was with this? And I actually asked him, um, I asked him, what were you doing with this? And he was like, oh, there's been two times, that's the second time that's happened to, in my life, but I was, I was wrestling with God. I was wrestling with God. And I was like, okay, um, that's interesting, uh, amazing, praise God that you weren't hurt. But he was really needing God. He says, it's happened twice in my life where God has met me in that way and I was wrestling with God. And God moved powerfully over him. I mean, I thought I'd really hurt the guy. But that's just a picture of how, even in mine, I mean, I've seen things and I've seen God move, but I had no kind of parameters for this. And I think sometimes God wants to break us out of our box a little bit. And it's not about seeking the things, not about seeking the light, not about seeking um, the physical, I guess, manifestations. That's not what we're after. But understanding that as we allow God to move, He does things. He works. His power comes. David's wrestle with God and people get healed and things happen. And God wants to call us to be a people um, of the spirit i think of peter is he was talking to cornelius's men right gentiles and god's spirit just falls right as you were speaking to them no kind of basis of theology for that the spirit just falls and i think sometimes we quench the spirit because we want to dot um, all the i's and cross all the t's before god and you but i want to say this morning that god wants to encounter you by his spirit he wants you to be filled with his spirit he wants you to delight in his spirit um, and he wants us to be a people of the spirit and just to finish off um my last point he wants us to be people of genuine love i see in this uh this chapter and it's just so beautiful um i'm just going to read 13 to 15 and then we're we're done uh but you know it was because of a bodily ailment that i preached the gospel to you at first and though my condition was a trial to you you did not scorn or despise me but received me as an angel of god as christ Jesus. Wow. What a heart. Paul wasn't a man after the stage or after a reputation. All right. He just came to people as he was. 
just came to people it was. But the beautiful thing is how the Galatians received him and the genuine love they had for one another. And he reminds them of this. And he says, the people who are with you now, they're flattering you. They're actually trying to, they're, they're flattering you in order to actually cut you out of the promise so that they look good. That's what they're doing. But remember that I came to you in genuine love. And I always tell, um, I work with the youth in our church, I always remind our leaders, hey, like think about when you were at youth group, what do you remember? Well, you remember the leaders. You remember the love they had for you. You remember the care they had for you. Um, let's remember that God calls us not just to a love, but a genuine love. I love Romans 12, uh, 9. It says, I won't go there. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. I remember the last bit. But let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. Um, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, so let love be genuine. And I just want to commend Matt and Abby for that because they've just been so kind to us. And, um, let's love our leaders. They need all the love. They, I, we need all the love we can get. All right, but. Let's love one another. Let's be genuine in our love. Let's lay down our own pride and our own things we carry. Let's really love one another. And lastly, um, these two solutions by the Spirit, um, genuine love. Notice that you cannot do it in your own strength. You cannot do it. Only God can do it in your life. So let's seek Him that can do it. Let's cry out to God. And, your heart is hard or you're just in a tough place, cry out to him. Ask him to move in your life again. Father God, I just thank you for your grace and your love. I thank you that you love us with an unfailing love. I thank you that you work in power in our day. And I pray, Lord, would you use us? Would you fill us with your spirit? And would we be a people marked with genuine love? I thank you for the children here this morning. I pray a blessing over them. I pray would they be children filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Filled with your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for all the dads in this place. I pray would we be strong men, Lord. Would we stand up for you, Christ? Would we stand up for our families? Would we denounce those things that enslave us? And would we step into something new, Lord? And I pray even for those maybe this morning who are enslaved in something. They've stepped back maybe to trying to just do it themselves. Or they've fallen into sin, Lord. I just pray, would you come by your loving hand and set them free this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Jesus, for your unfailing love in our lives. Jesus, amen.